Over the Line, broadcasting live from the Lyuna Studios. You're worth so much more on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yeah, baby, happy Friday. Feels so good. Last little weekend about to unfold uh, for us here. Rowdy, good morning. How we living, Brother Bear? Yeah, good morning. Uh, looking forward to the weekend. Hell yeah, dude. Same. Um, last week, obviously, we only had four out of the five days. This week, you know, full week. How's how's the uh, short week last week compared to the full week feel for you this week? I think this week's uh, seems like it's taken a while. <laughs> it's, it's same. <laughs> Big proponent on a hell. I'm even bringing over the three day work week, but a four day work week. If we could just get, what would you prefer off a Friday off or a Monday off? Friday, 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 Saturday, Sunday. Then back at a Monday. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, Thursday, would that be a nice little way to start the weekend? But alas, we are here for a Friday edition of Over the Line, as we uh, are for most days, uh, most weeks. But yes, all right. Um, Brewers couldn't get the sweep of the Orioles yesterday. Um, Rowdy, you called that. Uh, you poured a lot of cold water at uh, six fifty, eight fifty yesterday on the Razor's Edge, saying, "You know what? I am not feeling the Brewers in this one. Give me the Orioles." And you cashed that straight to the bank, buddy. Colin Ray was actually good, though. Yeah, that's that's the unfortunate part. They actually did get a pretty good start out of Colin Ray, and overall, uh, the Brewers' pitching staff looked pretty good until the last couple innings. Yeah. Um, who ended up taking the L? Was it Strzelecki? Uh, Strzelecki did. Yeah. So the yeah, the bull. I mean, they give it five runs total in the eighth and the ninth, and then uh, yeah, they they lose six to three. The Brewers pretty much led. They put three runs on the board right away. Yeah. And then pretty much led the entire game until the eighth inning. It was Gunnar Henderson, a little flair for the dramatic in his rookie season, two run bomb with two outs in the eighth inning to put Baltimore up for good. Uh, wouldn't look back though, but yeah, I mean, Colin Ray Rowdy Brewers three nothing lead in the first inning, control for most of it. Bullpen though, uh, taxed by six runs. Um, how, how are we feeling about the bullpen? Are they? How are we feeling about the bullpen of the Milwaukee Brewers? Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. It's yeah. an average bullpen. Just, just you're gonna. You, ebbs and flows of a season with the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, I mean, that, they're not going to be perfect every single no, game. No, 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 no. And Devin Williams, for the most part, has been absolutely lights out. And then you're looking at, okay, well, who's up in front of Devin Williams? And you're starting to wonder, yeah. is, is it Strezlecki? Is it Wilson? Those have been the two guys that have kind of emerged as late inning guys for the Milwaukee Brewers here in the last, or the you know first two months or so of the season. But uh, it's still, it's not... Boxberger, it's not Williams, Hater, seven, eight, nine. Man, remember that combination of uh, remember that trio. God, that was nice. Uh, but yeah, Colin Ray, back to him quick. Uh, Colin Ray, uh, quality performance from him. Struck out eight, allowed just three hits, one walk, and five shutout innings. He was in line for the win. I mean, he threw eighty-four pitches, fifty-nine of them were strikes. Uh, worked at least five innings in nine of his last ten starts, and he hasn't thrown more than ninety-three pitches or worked more than six innings. In any game this season, Colin Ray is kind of just, uh, what did you say yesterday? He's he's doing what you need him to do for the Milwaukee Brewers. That's uh, eat innings. Yeah. And because yes, you have so many injuries. He was good yesterday. Well, here's my question for you, Rowdy. You took two or three, though, from the Orioles. If I were to tell you that coming into the series, you'd take that all day. I mean, you're winning all the day. series. Yeah, two or three from the Orioles were a good team. I got the Oakland Athletics coming. Yeah, in. I'm looking at the Milwaukee Brewers who come in. They're bull- This is bullpen. 20th in ERA in bullpen, 16th in whip. So maybe a little bit of uh, this bullpen has a little bit to get better because the whip sits a little bit better than the ERA. Mm -hmm. But if you're talking about those two numbers, you're pretty much a middle-of-the-road bullpen. Yeah. 
Um, and yeah. again, this bullpen had a lot of question marks. It had a lot of young guys. It had a lot of unproven arms. And they've taken a lot of injuries. Yeah. So to have them, if you would have told me that this bullpen would have been middle of the road in general, but Devin Williams would be good, I'd say I'd take that. Uh, if you would have told me that <laughs> with the guys that they have on the bullpen and there'd be injuries that they're roughly middle of the road, I'd also probably take that. <laughs> I would take that. Okay, so um, now we have the Oakland A's. Come- oh, real quick, I wanted to get into the offense a little bit. Uh, Yelly got a hit and a run in at three at-bats. You know, Willie Adamas, a hit and a run. Uh, Rowdy Telez got an RBI. Uh, William Contreras, Rowdy, two hits, a run in. So that was nice to see him actually be productive. Owen Miller, Singleton, some RBIs. And then there's Luis Arias. What has he done offensively since coming back? Nothing. I don't think he's got a hit. He's hitting zero. Yeah. His average is zeros across the board. That's what do we do with Arias? You just got to hope he gets hot or warms up. Not even hot. Gets lukewarm. I let him play. <laughs> just let him play it through. Well, what else are you going to do? I don't, I don't are, know. You, what, are you going to bring up Bryce Terang who went through a one for 41? <laughs> hey, that's more than Arias. Uh, are you going to, are you going to go with Mike Brasso who you sent back down to AAA because he wasn't really contributing a whole lot either. I mean, you, you kind of just got to let, and those two guys had the opportunity to play the last two months yeah, and they didn't do much with it. Luis Arias, unfortunately was on the shelf with a bad hamstring. So what I, it seems like it's his next month or two to see if he can do anything. Yeah. You just hope, uh, you know, you can, you can pick it up a little bit here. All right. So um, let's see here. I saw this Brewers starting pitchers have thrown 16 consecutive scoreless innings. They combined for 26 strikeouts against the Orioles in the three game series. Uh, Freddie Peralta, Corbin Burns, Colin Ray, uh, those pitchers. That's pretty That's pretty badass for these guys, especially for all the injuries that have been mounting up uh, for this Milwaukee Brewers team. What do we expect, though, Rowdy, coming into this weekend series against the Oakland A's? I mean, obviously, two or three you want. Can we say right now, get greedy, get a sweep? Or are the Oakland A's, do they got one in them, you think? The Oakland A's are the worst team in baseball. Terrible. There's no secret. They're 14-50. and 50, But... The Oakland A's in their last 10 games are four and six, <gasps> including a two game winning streak. The Oakland A's are playing their best baseball of the season. <laughs> two game winning streak. You got 14 wins in the year. They're playing their best ball coming into American family field. Seven, I mean, they are now watch them take two out of three, <laughs> seven and 26 uh, on the road rowdy, but also at home. They're seven and 24 at, at Pittsburgh. They took two out of three. At home against the Braves, they took two out of three. That's their last two out of three series. Look out, crew. Braves are one of the better teams in baseball, and obviously Pittsburgh has been way better than expected this year and still right there in the hunt in first place in the Central. They are 4-2 and two against those two teams. Wow. A's turning it up a little bit, turning up the heat a little bit? Uh, before that Braves series, they did lose... Ooh, Three straight to Houston, four straight to Seattle, three straight to Houston again, and oh, Uh-oh. the first or the last game of the series against Arizona. If you go back before that, they lost two out of three to Arizona and two out of three to the Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, A's are. It's a uh, lot of losing, but they have all of a sudden been playing good. Is J.P. Sears and Paul Blackburn pitching in this series? I haven't looked at probables. Uh, Adrian Hauser versus Sam Mole tonight. And then I don't. I haven't looked at who's uh, ahead of that. What's the verdict? I mean, 
we'll get to Hauser, but what's the same? Paul Bowl? Blackburn is a former All Star for the Oakland Athletics. He was on the shelf the first two months. He's come back and pitched uh, the last, two, I think, the last two times for them. Uh, he is a legitimate good pitcher, and that's a guy that you actually might want to back the A's when he pitches. Oh. And um, J.P. Sears is a young lefty from the Yankees uh, organization that actually has been pitching quite well as of late, too. Well, you so know, I'm looking at the probables. Yeah, you have Adrian Hauser tonight, Paul Blackburn on Saturday against Julio Tehran, and then on Sunday it is... J.P. Sears oh, versus well, Freddie Pro. So you're seeing the Oakland A's well, two best pitchers. And too. tonight is a left-handed pitcher. Yeah. I'm so, telling you, it, on paper it looks uh-oh. easy, but actually you get their two best starting pitchers <laughs> and you get a lefty. Yeah, you hear the Oakland A's, you're like, all right, that's, and they're, that's easy. They're playing their best baseball for a team that has won 14 games. So the Brewers Saturday, Sunday get the A's best pitchers, and then tonight they get a left-handed pitcher. And what are the Brewers bad against lefties, Rowdy? Barely above 200. Aren't they dead last in like every stat in the league? Yeah, they're terrible. So, <laughs> as, do you know anything about this? Is it M-O-L-L, Sam Mall? Mall? Do you know anything about no. this guy? He's 0-3 with an ERA of 4.57. See, that's not even the guy they had scheduled last night, so. This is just probable. This is what I'm reading at the end of the, of the uh, for ESPN. But, yeah, he's a, uh, well, it must be, he's a relief pitcher. So, it must, I don't know if it's, he's, I don't know any of you. I've never even heard of the guy. But he's a left-handed pitcher. If that's the case, the Brewers are well, in trouble. Well, think about this for the A's. I, I, I'm telling you, like, they're hot right now for them. They've won 14 games. In the last week and a half, they've won four out of those 14. So they're they're on the come <laughs> like, up. They're on the come up a little that's bit. A, that's a huge chunk. That's almost a third of your games. That's roughly, <laughs> you know, 25, 30% of your wins mm-hmm. have come in the last week and a half. <laughs> Hey, they're getting hot. You better, Brewers better cool them down, man. And just as the Brewers are getting a little hot, too, the Brewers better calm them down a little bit. Um, man. Okay. Oh, Rowdy, you know what you get on Sunday? Paige Spranic bobblehead. Is that that night? I know that's fastly approaching. Uh, that could be. I forget the exact date. I know it's coming up. No, but you get Telemundo. True. Brewers home game. You don't get denied to see the Brewers on the TV set without having to find a stream. I'll get to watch uh, J.P. Sears and Freddie Peralta. Yeah, in Spanish. How about that? Yeah, man. There you go, Rowdy. There's something to look forward to on Sunday. Yeah, Rowdy, if people are wondering what we're talking about the Telemundo, tell them what happens for Brewers home games every Sunday. Yeah, they're uh, televised on Telemundo. Uh, something with, like, Sunday day, uh, Sunday game rights and uh, Telemundo. So you actually get to watch it. Yeah. You probably won't understand it since it's in Spanish, but... It is on. You can make out a few words here and there. Like if I say bueno, it means it's good. Or when they say, like, Freddie Peralta. Yeah, or mas, that means more, you know? So hola, como están, hello, how are you? Home run is actually still kind of like home run. Yeah, that, baseball is baseball. I mean, you got the bases covered right there. I don't know what base is, but I assume you could figure it out. But, yeah, if you have Hulu Sports like I do, or Hulu, you don't get uh, the Brewers. If you have, is it Dish, how do you got? If you have Dish... You don't get it. If you have like a YouTube TV, you don't get it. But you can get it on Telemundo Sundays at home for the Milwaukee Brewers. Hell yeah. Dave Esler, the PIMP, the pip himself. What's up, David? I'm, you know, I'm just, just hopping around for some information. He's one of my sources. Oh, well, Dave, save a little for on air, my brother. What do you think, man? What do you think? How you been, Dave? I got, I got, I got plenty, I got plenty, though. 
Dave, you always got some good stuff for me. That's why I love you, brother. Dave, what's that? What's happening? How's the week? How's the week that was? How's it all unfolding? Um, you know, I, a little personal here. I was playing golf Wednesday, and it got sort of thunderstormed out after 10 holes. Damn it. And I was pissed because I was two over. I've never been two over after 10 holes. And uh, we kind of go back out on the course, so, you know. Well, why not? Cool. Why, don't you just, why don't you just go and do it? I thought this was America, Dave. Go out in there and just do it. Um, you know, I thought about it. I really did. <laughs> you should have. You should have said the Dave. You should have said the uh, good Lord would never interrupt the best round of my life. The hard stuff's not going to start coming down for a while. I was just going to say that. Yeah, I guess I thought about it, but by the time I thought about it, I had sat too long and I was probably stiff and sore, and I, ah. I probably would have tripped, tripped, tripled the next hole. So I'll just. I'll just take my 74 and be good. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny, Dave, uh, about RJ, who's in here with us, uh, we were just talking off air about uh, uh, another co-worker of ours. He was doing a radio show, and he was struck by lightning. He survived, to tell the tale. Uh, but he had his uh, uh, blister on his finger, or his thumb from it, and then it blew out through his shoe. So it blew out a little bit of his shoe. Rowdy heard it happen, right, Rowdy? I did. Yeah, he was talking to, who was he talking to? Jerry, who was he talking to? He was talking to Jerry Kramer, yeah. Hall of Famer for the Packers. And then, zap! You got hit by Dr. Watts, Dave. He survived. You could have done it, dude. Come on. Well, I, I, I think the takeaway there is you avoid Gary Kramer at all costs. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Hey, Dave, um, I'm going to ask you uh, I want to ask you some Belmont stakes. I'm going to leave that at the end, though, because uh, there's a little something that I don't think a gamblers or anyone uh, in the horse racing is used to. But before that, what are we doing? How are we feeling about a little base of ball? Uh, do you got any little nuggets for us? I would love to hear some and then pick your brain on it, see if Rowdy agrees or not. Um, Rowdy, Rowdy may agree with this one, and, and, and I haven't talked to him about this, um, you know, and I just bet it, actually, as I was as I was on hold, so thanks for giving me enough time to do that. The Oakland, the Oakland Athletics, plus a half a run in the first three innings. First three? That's a thing? Yeah. Dave, are you doing that because the Brewers absolutely suck against left-handed pitchers, and the probable pitcher is a lefty for the A's? Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> but, but you know, but, but if you if you think about this, okay, you get you get a half a run, so a scoreless tie, you win, right? Mm-hmm. So so Sam Null only has to get through the order one time without allowing a run. Oakland can Oakland Oakland can strike out nine times and I'll still win. <laughs> I didn't like. I know you uh, were big on the F five first five first three now, Dave. What's what's the action like in yeah, that for I first mean, three? I mean, like, you know, you got a lot of these teams anymore that are, like, have a bullpen game, and they'll have some guy that really elite pitch the first two innings. Like, I think the, I think the Royals might have done it the other night, somebody. And uh, so you're really only, you're only playing one inning. Yeah. If you, if, if you pick the right game, I mean, Maud's going to go one or two innings, you know. You can only hope they bring a left-hander in behind them, and, you know, the Brewers just kind of go through the motions. I mean, they played yesterday, Oakland didn't. Um, you know, why not? It is their kryptonite for the Milwaukee Brewers, I'll tell you that. The, left, the lefties. don't know what it is. Uh, Dave, what other nugget out of uh, baseball, if you'd be so kind? Yeah, one other nugget. I mean, I, I know I know, Rowdy was on this Seattle team total, but I'll actually like the game over. Seven, I mean, uh, the bottom line is there you got Otani and Castillo with their two elite pitchers, and therefore the line is about a half a run lower than it should be. So I like the over. I got it at seven. I mean, it's a situational thing yeah. more than I do. I mean, you know, at seven, both teams have to get to three runs for me to 
to just push that bet. Sure. Okay. Uh, Dave, what about this? I want to transition um, to the NBA. Rowdy was lamenting right. a little bit. What was it, the, the over you didn't get, Rowdy? Yeah, we, we didn't get it for game three. Uh, Miami did not shoot well. Honestly, Denver didn't even shoot that well, and clearly it was pretty low scoring. What are you thinking of uh, game four coming up here tonight, David? Well, you have to bet the over. I mean, it's obviously desperation part on Miami. And, you know, if you look at the, look at the totals for the first three games, it's, it's dropped like three points every game. 219, 216, 213, now it's down to 210. At what point does it go too far? I mean, I think, I think we're there. As, you know, Rowdy said, you said, I mean, both teams shot pretty bad uh, last game, and, and I don't see that happening again. And desperation, there's too many ways to get there. I mean, it may not start off fast. I mean, they're not going to get to 240, but they'll get to 211, and that's all I care about. What do you think of the, the game itself, Dave? Are you, are you doing anything, or are you just looking at the total? No, no. I mean, I, you know, I mean, it's like I talked to Roddy in, in depth yesterday about you don't have to bet every game. You don't have to look <laughs> at every game. I mean, there's, there's, there's too much to go through, and you end up getting all this minutiae in your head. So kind of stick with what you know. I mean, um, Dave, when do you, you know, call like, I, like Rowdy, Rowdy will, um, he'll come in, he's tired and stuff. Cause I know he's up grinding late, uh, looking at games. And he wants to put all the great info out there, which we, you know, appreciate. Well, at what point do you, Dave Essler, the, from pregame.com gambler to the stars, you know, a, a savant at what point do you just say, all right, I got to go to bed. Like I, I can't overanalyze. When do you, when do you hit that um, wall? It, it depends. I mean, for the most part, my mind will tell me when I'm, when it's taken me ten minutes to do what you take two, it's time to it's time to pull the plug. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, because then you start you, you're obviously not working efficiently, and I don't care what you're doing, but you're not working efficiently, but you're also more prone to make mistakes. Hmm. You know, for, forcing things. You know, mm-hmm. um, that's just you know that's a sure sign of you're gonna lose all your money. <laughs> all right, Dave, let's do a little galloping. Let's gallop to the finish line here. Belmont Stakes, uh, are you concerned at all? As New York's, uh, let's see, the New York's governor says they could indeed cancel the Belmont Stakes if the air quality uh, doesn't, uh, you know, measure up to their standards. Are you concerned at all about the Belmont Stakes being canceled? And if not, who do you got? Well, am I concerned about it being canceled? No, I'm not concerned. If they don't play, I don't get to bet it. That's a good point. I mean, you know, if PETA has anything to say about it, they won't race. Um, I, I, I do know that. Well, that's even if the air was fine or not. That doesn't matter, you know. That's absolutely true. But, you know, with all the stuff they've had sort of with the horses, they've had to get put down and, and other sort of sketchy circumstances, you know, uh, thoroughbred racing better be careful or, or you know, they'll, they'll end up like, um, you know. They'll go the way of the dodo bird. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know money talks, but, you know, I, I actually like three horses. I, I like Capit Shoes. Um, he's kind of a um, a longer shot. You're going to get better value with the longer shots in a long, long race like this, like a mile and a half, than you would in Kentucky Derby. Plus, there's only nine horses, and, um, you know, anything can happen with nine, not like 22. <laughs> so, uh, you know, this this is the race I think you can make some money in. The, the, the non-chalk one that I like is – is uh, Tappet's shoes. I don't probably have time to get into why. Uh, I kind of like uh, Forte, not the Bears running back, uh, but the horse. Um, 
he, I mean, he missed the derby in the practice with a vet scratch. Um, that means he's got, he, he hasn't run in a couple of months, but he's also run from behind, like in all of these races, and and, and most of the horses are going to run from behind in, in, in this long race. Somebody will get out there and, and pace it. Um, probably uh, National Treasure, the guy we took and won the fitness yeah. with, will probably bolt out, but he won't be able to hold on to it. So, um, you know, I like him there. So, if I got if I got to pick, I got to pick three and do a trifecta box: one, six, eight, Capitoo, Forte, and Angel of Empire. What was the first horse name again? Tappet Shoes. Oh, oh, tap, oh, Shoes. Tappet Trice was, yeah, one yeah, of the favorites. They, they, both, they, they both do have the same father. I thought, I thought there was a different name. Shoes. Okay, got you. All right, Dave. Yeah. Before I let you go, your thoughts on the PGA and live now, kind of combining forces. Whatever all this, whatever all this is. Is Phil Mickelson? Is, yeah, is he? Is he coming out? You know, laughing the best here. Probably. I mean, I don't know the details behind it. I don't think anybody really does, except for a few in the inner circle. Yeah. I have talked to a couple of I have talked to a couple of the guys on tour, and they, you know, they don't know everything either themselves. But from a fan standpoint, and from a from a FU Greg Norman standpoint, I hate it. Um, you know, I don't. I, I despise Phil Mickelson. I guess. I guess I don't like it. But for the for the player standpoint, as one of them told me. Um, there's that much more money in the pot, and it can't be a bad thing. Did you say you despise Phil Mickelson? Yes. It's because he looks uh, so dapper and all that black he wears now? No, because he can't shut his mouth. <laughs> you know? you know? So who do you, who do you like more, shut Phil Mickelson <laughs> or Tiger Woods? Oh. Because oh. I, know, I know you do not like Tiger Woods either. You know, I, I think maybe maybe Phil passed Tiger on the FU meter. Okay, um, well, Phil Mickelson or Michael Block? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Good story. I mean, nobody nobody will know nobody will know who he is in a month, so I don't need to have an opinion. Okay. <laughs> did, you, did you see that hole in one though? Did it go in? Did it go in? Did that go in? Oh God. <laughs> Get off of it! <laughs> Get off of it! Get off of it, Dave! I want you in the hole in one today if you're golfing. All right. No, I'm going to save it for two weeks from now. Yeah, is it true? Are the rumors true? Yeah. Yes. Dave, I can't. Can I? Can I say it on air? Can I say it on air? Dave Esler coming to Edgerton Town Country Club from Florida to Edgerton, Wisconsin. Dave, welcome to the welcome to real America, baby. We're going to get it going at the Zone uh-huh. Golf Scramble. Let's go. Yeah, I'm ready. I might need to use your driver. Ronnie might tell you about that. I'm not bringing my clubs, and he doesn't have a driver. That's a real problem. He is my driver. I don't care. I would be honored. Okay. I would be honored, Dave. <laughs> yeah. I'll, show you, I'll show you how to hit it. Dave, show me how to hit it, then I'll show you how to drink when you get to Wisconsin, all right? Uh, I, you know, I can see it right now. No. <laughs> Dave, we love you, man. Pregame.com. Check it out. Dave underscore Essler on Twitter. And the winner's take, the new podcast. Dave, you are an absolute, you're a national treasure. Not like the horse, but like, you know, a treasure himself. Yeah. I'm, I'm also five to one and not favorite anymore. You guys have a great weekend. See you, Dave. Much love. I can't wait for Dave. Coming June 24th. Let's go. Welcome back, Joe Prunty, to the Milwaukee Bucks. The Apprentice has returned. Let's go, baby. If you remember when Jason Kidd was fired from the Milwaukee Bucks, who was the interim coach? Joe Prunty. Giannis Adinokounmpo 
tried to save Jason Kidd when he was fired. Uh, instead, got the apprentice. They did get to the playoffs. They're in there. Didn't really work out in their favor. But Giannis must have loved Joe Prunty so much. He's picking his coaches. Joe Prunty, a.k.a. the apprentice, now joining up with Adrian Griffin, the new Bucks coach, to be an assistant. Rowdy, welcome back. Joe Prunty. We were making fun of him two weeks ago. (laughs) (laughs) That was during the coaching search. Lovingly making fun of him. Talking about how, you know, they got to go out there and and get a guy, and it can't be someone like a Joe Prunty who was a long-time assistant that, you know, coached the Olympic team for Great Britain. And, yeah, he was brought up, and now he's back. He's back, baby. Rookie head coach Adrian Griffin tabbed with another longtime NBA assistant, Joe Prunty. What a name, by the way. Like, I get when you have a star, like a superstar player that you want their input because you want them happy. And especially a guy like Giannis, who's still in his prime and, and only has, what, two years left on his contracts. So you're hoping that he re-ups with you. Yeah. You don't want to lose him. I get it. I get you're going to want his input because you're not going to want to get a coach that he absolutely hates because he might dash in two years. Um, Joe Prunty ain't going nowhere. But Adrian Griffin ain't going nowhere. Giannis doesn't have the best track record when sticking up for coaches. It's just Jason Kidd. <laughs> the apprentice, and now he's back. And Hey, I like Giannis likes it. I like it. Prunty was part of Jason Kidd's staff from 2015 to 2018. And he was uh, the coach for 37 games after Kidd was fired in the 2017-18 season. Awesome. Also, Patrick Matumbo is coming in. Now, I can't tell you much on Patrick Matumbo. My first knee-jerk reaction is, is he related to Dikembe Matumbo? And then I'm probably going to wag my finger at you and say no. No, no. No, no. Um, Patrick Matumbo. He played at Metro State. Coached by Mike Dunlap from 99-2003. Yada, yada, yada. Doesn't say anything about... I'm going to say no if he's playing in 2003. He played in the Italian League. Played in the G League. His last playing set was in Bakersfield Jam of the NBA Developmental League. Does not say anything about... You know Oh, damn it! Right here on Wikipedia. Personal life. Patrick Matumbo holds no known relation to Dikembe Matumbo, although he is frequently asked that question if he does. Damn it! Damn. All right. Well, I guess Dikembe is not going to be coming around Milwaukee anytime soon. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no. Oh, yeah, but Joe Prunty back. And then there's this for the Milwaukee Bucks. Oh, let's fade that music there for Joe Prunty. How about this? Chris Middleton had off-season knee surgery. Holy buckets. After the playoffs. He'll be expected to be back around July. He had off-season knee surgery, expected to make a full recovery and resume working out on the court again in July. 31 years young, uh, dealt throughout the season a lot of these issues with his right knee. He did after the uh, playoff exit, under went under the knife, and got it done. How many injuries has he had now the last two years? Knees, wrists? Head, shoulders, knees, toes. And he hasn't played good. Like, he hasn't played very well. Like, we, we we were talking about how he used to be a really good defender, and now it looks like he's in slow-mo. Maybe it's because he's injured. Maybe because he's getting older. Uh, whatever. But uh, this ain't good. No. Especially for a guy that has a player option, and it's, you know, 40, over $40 million. $40.3 million he can opt into. If not, he becomes a free agent. 
And he, I, coming off of a knee surgery and coming off of his last two years with a wrist surgery and just not playing well, there's no way he turns that down. I say yes to $40 million if I'm Chris Middleton. Yes. You know what else I think is kind of weird, though? Uh, Javon Carter, who <laughs> ended up being the last, what, year and a half, like a really good bench and role player for the, the Milwaukee Bucks. He was, when they introduced uh, Griffin. Yeah. He was there, one of the Bucks, like working out, oh, yeah, took saw. the picture and did everything. But if I'm him, he's got a player option this upcoming year for like less than two and a half million. You say no? No, he's worth way more than two and a half million. Like the average NBA player these days makes like eight to ten million dollars. That's the average player. I, He's worth more than two and a half million. I would, yeah, I would go. But get my he money. was he he was there doing all the things. Maybe that's a good sign that maybe he picks up that op. Maybe maybe he goes the body uh, Bobby Portis or the Brook Lopez route and takes a, a very team friendly deal to stay with this team for one more year to see if they can't uh, get it all together. You know, it seemed, did you see his picture too when he was at the yeah, press had like the hood on. He had his. He was in gym shorts, like at the socks with sandals and a hoodie on, and his hood was up tight, tight. <laughs> yeah. like, what is going on here? I mean, whatever. It's 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 Don't whatever. Don't you feel like though, if you were about to elect free agency, that you wouldn't be going to that because that's not going to be your coach. Like you wouldn't be working out, doing whatever with the Bucks. I, I'm just thinking out loud here. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Maybe just trying to get more practice in, and he's being a good teammate because he's under. I don't know. I have no idea. Um, I'd be like, I'm not going to that press conference. It ain't my coach. Uh, I'm going to be getting like, paid. This did he come right from practice to the press conference? Because the attire that everyone was wearing for the introductory press conference for their new head coach, I found interest. I don't really care at the end of the day. I just found it interesting. The standard was hood up and it's tied tight over his, <laughs> over his head. It's like, okay, Javon Carter what's going on here. Yeah. Adrian Griffin though. Uh, a, little, a couple comments from Adrian Griffin. Talking about becoming a head coach because this is his first time ever becoming a head coach. I saw a picture from the Milwaukee Bucks posted it yesterday. It was a throwback Thursday. Uh, Adrian Griffin, when he first started coaching, he was standing alongside of the young buck himself, Brandon Jennings, uh, in, in coaching him. They're saying life comes at you fast, and now he's the head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. You know, this is something I prepared for my whole career. I, I believe, you know, my sister-in-law's. She always says preparation time is never wasted time. So, you know, my 15 years of coaching, my nine years of playing in the NBA, I've played with a, a lot of great players. Uh, I, I was coached by a lot of Hall of Fame players, and then I just listed the the coaches that I've been under. So, you know, everything happens for a reason. You know, my faith is very strong. My father was a minister. And he would always tell me to be faithful over the little things, and God rewards you with a lot more. And I feel like, you know, this has really came to life for me uh, on my journey. And again, it's, um, I believe in, you know, just the preparation that goes into sitting in this, this seat. And, and I was just so that I had great mentors. Uh, you know, just too many to name. But I'm just uh, ex- extremely um, appreciative of the path that I've taken. You know, everyone's path is different. But, you know, to wait 15 years for this job, it was worth it. Also, it would be nice to know that your uh, once-in-a-generational player, who you coach now, Giannis Adenokounmpo, uh, sat down with your GM and be like, I want this guy. Like, thank you, Giannis. I appreciate that. Uh, again, let's see, your Middleton route, you can opt into the player option. Brooke Lopez will be... Um, you know, also wondering what we're going to do with him. There's another guy that can get paid, right? In Brooke Lopez. That I mean, dude deserves some money. Coming off the year that he did, 
That's a pay raise for Brooke Lopez, but Brooke Lopez isn't getting any younger. No. And if you're Brooke Lopez, you're, you're signing that one more deal, and it's going to be a, an elevated type deal if you want the money because he has taken deals in the past. Yes, he has. And what? I could see him signing with his age probably like a three-year deal. He probably doesn't play much more than three years. And no. if he does, he's going to be just a shell of what he is. I mean, he was a monster last season. I mean, defensively, the dude was... And he's been able to adapt and change his game, too, as his career's going on. He's been great. Uh, but as, as long as you got Giannis Adenokounmpo, I think you'll be doing pretty good. Um, Adrian Griffin talks on, you know, meeting with Giannis as part of the... Inter- How'd you like this? All right, Adrian Griffin, part of the interview process is you got to sit down with Giannis Adenokounmpo. I want to give credit to uh, John and his staff because the environment and the platform that they gave me in the interview process really worked in my favor. Uh, Again, I was able to get on the board um, multiple times. I was able to break down film and edit and kind of give my analysis. And then they allowed me to meet with different personnel uh, within the organization along with Giannis. But I can tell you, you know, I left the conversation in awe. Uh, you're talking about a guy that is super passionate about uh, bringing another championship to the city of, of Milwaukee. He was very humble. Uh, he was very hungry. And those are the traits that we are looking for with our players. I had an opportunity to reach out to all the players. And that was the common theme from the players, that they are hungry. Right? And, they, and, you know, that's kind of going to be our model this year. You know, we're going to put in the work. We're not going to take anything for granted. And, you know, we're gearing up for April, May, and June. So they're going to put in the work, Rowdy, but gearing up for April, May, and June. Are we going to see a lot of load management coming up this season? <laughs> I mean, we've up seen April, a lot May, of load June? management the last two years we from have. the Bucks. Look we at have. Chris Middleton. Look at uh, Giannis. I mean, you can go right on down the line. Yeah, That's also why NBA, one of the reasons why NBA ratings are kind of failing. Everyone knows that you can kind of look at some of the rosters and be like, well, the Bucks are going to be good. Yeah. Or back in the day, well, the Warriors are going to be pretty good. And you can go right on down that type of list and say, well, you know, this team's going to kick ass and they're going to win like 55 plus games out of this 82 game season. But there's probably going to be about, I don't know, eight to 10 nights where none of these guys are going to play. <laughs> yep, And that's where they're running into issues because who wants to go watch the Wisconsin herd play for the Milwaukee Bucks when you were hoping to see Giannis? Some of the herd's family members, maybe. That's about it. But how about the brand of basketball for the Bucks? Uh, one more from Adrian Griffin before we hit break. Uh, Adrian Griffin was you know, asked, how would he describe his brand of basketball that he brings to Milwaukee? I've been under a lot of great coaches. And you got, you kind of take the good and kind of make it your own. So, I'm, you know, I'm fortunate I have a large pull to pull from. But, you know, defense wins, obviously. Uh, we're going to be a proactive defense, right? We're going to get after. We're going to pressure the ball. Uh, we're going to take our defense to the offense. We're not going to allow the offense to take their uh, their offense to us. Um, we're going to pressure the ball, right? We're going to get turnovers. We're going to get out and run. Uh, we're also going to, you know, make adjustments and, and throughout the game with our defense and switch up our defenses. Uh, I think offensively we want to take advantage of the special talent that's on this team, you know, to create high percentage shots. Um, also, that means making teams pay for putting two or three bodies uh, on the ball. So uh, I think that's going to 
you know, work in our favor. So we're going to move the ball, a, a little bit more ball movement, body movement, get those high percentage shots in the paint. Uh, and then the threes will be there. You know, we're not going to put any limits on, on the threes that we take, but Uh-oh. they're going to be team threes. You know, they're going to be rhythm threes. And then, you know, I'm a big fan of, of getting on the offensive board. So we're going to try to put as many things in our favor. Um, I'm just excited to get to work. All right, there you go. See, it's going to be interesting because you look at, you know, kind of the Milwaukee Bucks since Giannis started becoming Giannis. You know, those early years where he was starting to transcend and, and become, you know, closer to that superstar. Yeah. That was Jason Kidd's era, right? Yep. And remember, the Milwaukee Bucks were a really, really good defensive team under Jason Kidd but they didn't shoot the basketball very well. Mm-hmm. And then Budenholzer came in, Booty. and that was when, oh, what was it, like John Horace had just acquired, like, um, oh, the the who was the guard for Kentucky? Um, oh, my, Eric Bledsoe. Oh, I, couldn't, I could picture him. Bledsoe. But I yeah, liked that, but, too, at the time. Yeah, like a lot of people did because Eric Bledsoe was a big-time player for the Suns, but – he didn't shoot the ball very well from behind the arc. And the and playoffs, when, he disappeared. Yeah, and he was a short guard that disappeared in the playoffs when everything got turned up. And, he, well, we know how the story ended. But it's kind of interesting how they went under Jason Kidd from being this really, really good defensive team that struggled at shooting to a really, really good defensive team on the perimeter under Bud. And then they started taking a lot more threes, kind of manipulated their roster, got some of the guys that couldn't shoot off, brought in some shooters that, you know, could sit in the corner and Giannis could get on the ball. Yeah. And clearly we saw that they were getting better and better and better at kind of acquiring those type of players from 18 through 21. They win the title. And then since then, they've been one of the best teams in the NBA. They just have not won. But the butt approach, remember they started being really good perimeter basketball team and they could start to shoot a lot or they shot a lot of threes and they started to make them. But then it's felt like as the roster got deeper and they got more players that kind of fit around Giannis that were those like, you know, three and D type players or, you know, kind of an offensive score or bench score. Mm -hmm. Didn't it feel like the, the defense the last couple of years post winning the NBA finals hasn't been very good. Like, like, don't get me wrong. It's still okay. But compared to where it was, especially on the perimeter, they allowed a lot of teams to shoot a lot of threes and make. Oh yeah. I mean, look at the heat, for example. Um, And it kind of coincides with like a guy like Chris Middleton that used to be like a lockdown defender and be pretty darn good. Weirdly enough, a really good two way player is now, so, not so good defensively and oft injured. Defensively, I mean, the Bucks were one of the best, if not the best, in the league. And then in the playoffs, well, then the Miami Heat, where they shot pretty woefully from beyond the arc all regular season. And then against the Bucks, they raised their like percentage. I think they shot almost sixty percent. They went were like I think they were like thirty six to yeah. 40%. But where did you where did you say they shot really well from? Uh, they were bad from three-point land in the regular season, then they turned it up because the Bucks defense lacked. Yeah, because their perimeter started, defense stung. Yeah, that's but, what I'm But no, when what you I'm look saying. at the good defenders for the Bucks, where does Giannis play? It's not out on the yeah, perimeter. he's down low. Lopez, yeah. he's not out on the perimeter, no, yeah. even though those two guys were arguably top five in defensive player of the year award. Mm-hmm. Those guys play in the perimeter. Those are big guys. 
They they yeah. weren't good. They started out under Bud good on the perimeter defensively, yeah, guards. and they just got worse and worse, and that's what killed them against the Heat. Yep, like you said. Yep, and, and it's the, the perimeter D, and it gave the Heat all the confidence in the world. The Heat been um, in Fuego from beyond the arc until they met up with the Denver Nuggets in the finals. Now, and I think that's a little bit of the trade off of going and getting certain players like a Joe Ingles or you know certain players like a Grayson Allen that maybe aren't quite as good defensively as some of the guys that they replaced, but they work better spot-up shooters or bench scores, which they also needed, so it was a bit of a trade-off. But I, I really do think that the fact that Chris Middleton has kind of regressed, whether that be for injury, whether that be for age, you know, whatever, just rusty, mm-hmm. him not being a good perimeter defender and well, healthy and playing a ton really killed them. Yeah, and totally. That's coming from a guy that's not a big Chris Mistleton fan, and I, <laughs> I'm pretty open about that. Chris Mistleton for this team with the guys they had around him. If he could have been better on the perimeter and and knock down some some shots like we've seen Chris Middleton do, mm-hmm. and be a, a you know a a number two, whether I think he's lesser or whatever, um, that's what they needed. Yeah, and they didn't have it. Nope. And then Giannis got hurt, and then uh, you can go right down the no line. No energy, yeah. Just kind of going through the motions. But here they are. Adrian Griffin is uh, the new head coach, and Joe Prunty back with the team, baby, the apprentice. Dan, half the battle at Best Fight Picks. Dan, what's up, brother? Oh, man, what a pleasure. I mean, I was getting ready to just listen to y'all keep talking and <laughs> you know, doing your thing. I thought that we were just uh, getting a little a little heated and uh, it was just getting started. But now I'm in the mix and uh, it's good to be here, gentlemen. Dan, well, here's the thing. I've been, hide- I was, I've been hiding this Brewers jersey under my shirt for the last like 20 minutes. It was getting a little warm and I was and a little itchy. I wanted to get it out of there and uh, surprise Rowdy. I don't know if you took to the surprise too well. <laughs> but uh, again, I don't think I've ever seen anyone wear a Tyler Saladino jersey, Rowdy, besides Tyler Saladino himself. So there it is. There's probably also a reason for that. Hey, Dan, what's going on, man? I want to thank you so much for joining us. I know you had a late night last night uh, or early morning. What what were you doing last night? Tell the fine folks out there. I mean, firstly, gentlemen, there's no such thing as a late night when it comes to talking with y'all, you know, (laughs) a.m. Eastern, every uh, pay-per-view, so... You know, for y'all, uh, we'll walk a, a thousand miles. But, no, nah, oh, man, I, I was at the, the PFL in Atlanta. You know, uh, they're another fight league, and, uh, you know, they're broadcasted on ESPN, and they're going to do kind of a residency here the next three weeks. So <laughs> last night was night one, uh, some big upsets, some big knockouts. Uh, I had a great time. That's awesome, dude. Um, what time did you end up hitting the hay, going to bed? Uh, you know. 5 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> Will you be going to bed after this phone call, Dan? Uh, no, I got jujitsu, but uh, oh. after that, you know, if, if if I don't get if I don't go to bed in the middle of class by getting choked out, uh, I definitely will. <laughs> Rowdy, UFC and Dan, UFC two eighty nine coming up. What are we thinking of this? Yeah, so we got a we got a belt on the line here. Amanda Nunez was supposed to be taking on Juliana Pena. But that trilogy is canceled. Now he's got a, she's got a new apo- uh, opponent here, Dan. Uh, what are you thinking for this title fight? I'm thinking that I like this fight a lot better. It's a fresh matchup. I mean, we've got you know some new Mexican champions, Alexa Grasso, Brandon Moreno, Yair Rodriguez. So if Irena Aldana can come out here and you know get the big upset, she'll be added to the list. But. uh 
Man, you know, it, it's one of those situations where literally all the footage in terms of watching the film, all the statistics back Amanda Nunes. Even the price seems a little bit low compared to some of her prices in the past. But if you want to talk narratives, that's where you can possibly make a case for a Ren Aldana. You talk about stuff about how, you know, uh, Nunes is on her way out, how Nunes is closer to retirement than she is to the beginning of her career, how Ren Aldana's got all this momentum, all the Mexican fighters are on the surge right now. But um, if you take away the narratives, which don't, don't get me wrong, a, a narrative can be right, gentlemen. I mean, the stats in the film don't always tell the story. But I am going to have to kind of lean towards the stats in the film, and I'm going to pick Amanda Nunes to defend her belt. Now, uh, Dan, um, so we were talking a little off-air, and I was uh, picking Rowdy's brain about this uh, the other day for UFC 289, and uh, <laughs> I had to chuckle what you said to Rowdy off-air. He's like, and I want you to, c- could you sell this event at 289, say light on star power that leans on the tremendous co-main event? That is what, Oliveira versus uh, Darush. So can, can, can you sell this to people like, like Rowdy said? I wouldn't buy this fight <laughs> and what did you say have you bought any of them <laughs> dan could you yeah. sell ufc 289 yeah I, I could um i wouldn't talk about the main event all i would talk about is benil dariush versus charles Oliveira. charles Oliveira has the most finishes in the history of the sport the most submissions the most bonuses and he's a former champion. And when you talk about what do you watch the sport for? I mean, let me ask you something, gentlemen. Do you watch the sport to watch a, one man hump another grown man's leg? Uh, I can't speak for Rowdy, but for myself, no. Well, nope. guess what? E- either do I. I watch <laughs> Nelson, the, do you? I watch the sport for finishes. I watch the sport <laughs> for violence. I watch the sport for excitement. And that's exactly what Charles Dubron Oliveira brings to the table. Hence the fact that he holds most of the violence records. And guess what? He's not fighting, you know, some guy who is going to run away and, you know, jump, jump on the cage and run into the crowd and, you know, disengage from a fight. He's fighting a guy that Benil Dariush has brutal knockouts on his record. Benil Dariush has jujitsu credentials. Benil Dariush is the guy on the eight fight win streak trying to finally secure his first UFC title shot after being in the company for 10 years, over 10 years, gentlemen. And he has to do it against the guy with the most finishes in the history of the sport. So, I mean, who even cares about the main event? This is the main event. Uh, you're, you're definitely so selling it, Dan. I, I got a question for you, Dan. It feels a little interesting that Darush would be favored in this fight for me personally. Well, guess what that means? You need to take an underdog shot on Charles Oliveira if that's oh. how you feel because... When you talk about gambling, it doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter what some, you know, perceived expert has to say. It matters about where you think the line is compared to, you know, where it should be. Um, And you think that Charles Oliveira should be favored, and you're looking at a plus 125. So that means that you should take the underdog shot on Charles Oliveira. Now, for me personally, I'm – I'm picking Neil Darius just as a pure pick, but I'm not betting on it because I view this as a 50-50 fight. That means that when you have dog odds on a 50-50 fight, you take you know, the underdog every single time. But the reason I'm pure picking Neil Darius is because 
this is a guy that's been paying his dues for so long, gentlemen. I mean, this is a guy that knows what it means to have a six-fight win streak in the UFC. And I'm talking about in 2015, guys. I'm talking about he already had one run, and he had massive setbacks where he got knocked out brutally, where people were saying, this guy's done. He's never going to amount to anything. And now he's back on an eight-fight win streak, ranked number three in the world. I mean, go get your title shot, kid. I mean, you've paid your dues. You, you crushed the grapes. Now we drink the wine. I like that, Dan. Hell yeah. I'm ready to drink some wine, too. Speaking of exciting fights, Dan, Dan Ige taking on Nate Landwehr. Or Landwehr. I, I'm excited for this one because Nate, the night train, is maybe not the, we'll say, the most cerebral fighter, but he's fun to watch. Oh, yeah. I mean, back to the entertainment talk. I mean, Nate the Train's the kind of guy that he'll fight you with his hands down, and as he's tagging you up, he'll look to uh, the side of the cage and look for where Dana is, and he'll be like, Dana! You know what I mean? Uh, He's a madman. If he gets the chance to win and he gets on the mic, he'll say some crazy stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, this guy is all gas, no brakes, and that's why they put him on the pay-per-view. And then his dance partner, Dan Ige, guess what Dan Ige's nickname is? It's 50K, because this guy is known for getting that bonus. This guy is known for getting that knockout. This guy is a true Hawaiian warrior. And back to the whole talk about, you know, is he going to, you know, make the crowd boo? Is he going to make you regret buying the pay-per-view? Absolutely not. These two are going to go to war, and I have a feeling this one ain't They're not going to help each other's legs. Exactly. Okay, good. Well, it's it's funny because when you watch Landwehr fight, it's like if I'm going to bet on him, I almost want to bet him if I'm going to bet on him to win by knockout because that's probably how it's going to happen. But at the same time, when you do that, you're holding your breath the entire time, even when he's knocking the guy out because you don't know with this guy. He's so unpredictable. The next thing you know, all of a sudden he's getting blasted. Yeah, no doubt. And I mean, that's, you know, the the double-edged sword of that fighting style. This guy is killer to be killed. This guy is entertainment over, you know, <laughs> I, I don't want to say over entertainment over process because that would kind of be disrespectful to a guy who, you know, you do have to have skills to make it to a fight like this. You know what I mean? Like, he does have skills. It's just he's willing to take more risks. He's willing to, you know, take that risk to get knocked out to, to land his shots. And, um as a result, you know, when he loses fights, it's going to be in brutal fashion. But when he wins, it's going to be absolutely glorious. Dan, I got a question for you on the early prelims. David Dvorak taking on Steven Ursig. Who the hell is Steven Ursig? Why is... Is he the guy with the no picture? Yeah, why is he... Sorry, I think uh, what I was looking at might have been backwards. Because when I had seen this posted, Dan, Dvorak was the dog and i was like who the hell is this ursa kick but now i think they must have re uh corrected it because uh dvorak is a big favorite now yeah but let me tell you something guys i mean me. dvorak opened minus 500 you know and, and what the heck am i supposed to do with a minus 500 but all the <laughs> has been coming in on steven ursek who's this newcomer and look I, I like the newcomer you know he seems like a nice guy you know, he's been over there in Australia getting some first-round finishes over guys that would never make it to the UFC. But listen, you got your shot, kid. It's just that uh, 
here, I think it's time to meet reality. And, and like I told y'all, Dvorak opened minus 500. Now he's minus 250. Now is when the value starts to open up. Now is when you can potentially parlay David Dvorak. I think he's going to welcome this guy to the UFC. I think he's going to give him something we like to refer to as the vet lesson. And I think he might even give him a tour of the octagon. So oh. David the tour of the octagon, and I like your wine, you know, comment too, Dan. Hey, Dan, I, I have I have something specifically to ask you about Atlanta. We had a uh, a conversation with one of our listeners a couple days ago, but before um, I pick your brain about Atlanta itself uh, and maybe some of the infrastructure there, is there any other fights on this card that you're like you can make some money off this? I really like this one that maybe people are just kind of sleeping on. I mean, dude, you had me at Atlanta, but let, let me let me tell you, um. <laughs> You know, there's this fight between Eric Anders and Mark Andre Barrios that I really think is a 50-50 fight, and Eric Anders is the dog, so possibly consider that. Um, and then, you know, this is a really tough card to bet, man. So I, I think Dvorak, if you can figure out a way to parlay him, is the way to go. But uh, right now, that's all I got, gentlemen. Okay, Dan? All right. Dan, by the way, check him out. Half the Battle, the podcast, amazing. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Best Fight Picks. Dan, one of our uh, listeners, his name, great guy, his name is Vagabond John. And Johnny, he travels everywhere, hence the Vagabond moniker. He was just in Atlanta at the Atlanta airport, and he hated every single second of it. He said the Atlanta airport was terrible, and then they put him up. Where'd they put him up? In? They put him up in a hotel only for him to figure out that that hotel room was already occupied. Yeah, so he tried to get in, and there's already people there. Uh, it, he said they even lost the best Western branding on it, if I remember correctly. <laughs> Dan, what can you say, uh, or can you say anything on the Atlanta airport? Is he just a novice and doesn't know his way around, or does it truly suck? I mean, you know, the fact that this complaint that much, that's why they put him in a room with <laughs> Yeah, They'll make someone listen to his complaints because they didn't want to. I mean, I'd love to hear what his favorite airport is, if Atlanta's the worst one, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Dan, I'll because, say this, like, the well, one in Madison here in Wisconsin, Dane County Regional, it's like you you can go there 30 minutes before your flight, and you're on in 15 with a drink in your hand. It's awesome. I mean, is this guy like a prince in Dubai? Like, does he need, like, a red carpet before he gets on the airplane, you know? Uh <sighs> Cheap, I think he uh, said that the, the airport in Atlanta was, like, extremely long. Yeah, he said he was, like, sprinting, and it was, like, you couldn't get anywhere you wanted to go. It was so big. I've never been, are, so. Are we, are we dealing with a heavy set fella here? No, I wouldn't no, say no. heavy set. No. No. He was a, he was a cheerleader for the Wisconsin um, Athletics as well. I mean, if if my grandmother doesn't complain about walking in the airport, I don't, I don't see uh, what the big deal is. I'm gonna have to clip this and send it to him. Yeah, no, he's he's listening right now. He was he asked you go ask him about the airport. Ask him about the airport. All right. <laughs> Dan, what are you see doing this weekend, man? What do you got going on, my brother? I mean, I don't think it's Vegabond John. I think it's Prince John. You know, <laughs> prima donna John. You know. <laughs> What do you got going yeah. on this weekend, Dan? What do you got? What do you got cooking, my dude? Um, you know, just recovering from this PFL event, and then we got <laughs> UFC tomorrow. Always jujitsu and uh, Brazilian steak, and I've been really actually getting. I found this other all-you-can-eat spot, but it's a uh, you know like a Persian slash like you know Middle Eastern Mediterranean type spot. Awesome, and man, they got these these chicken wings that that are so darn good. They're, they're kind of like, you know, Arab, Arabically seasoned, and Ooh. it's like a new experience. And you already know about that Arab bread, like the, the pita or oh, the naan. Oh, yeah, dude, the naan. Oh, yeah, come on. Dude, it's all, it's all you can eat, bro. And it's just, man, I've been like, my my credit card company has been looking at my space. They're like, oh, you're a good customer. We like this guy. 
Like, they got to call me up like, are you sure you went there every day last week? (laughs) If I say uh, no, will you take the charges off my credit card? (laughs) (laughs) They pull up the the camera footage like, no, that's not me. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. Well, Dan, speaking of that, um, did you shave your beard? Uh, yeah, I'm always going through phases. You know, since I'm bald, uh, the the way I'm I'm trying new hairstyles is with is with, uh, with the beard. Is that is that like okay? So Rowdy and I have full heads of hair. Is it, when you when you are bald, is it automatically like I need to grow a beard just to prove to people I can grow hair at places, or how does that work? Uh, no, it's just fun because like personally, okay. So people check this out. People make fun of me. You know, give me crap for being bald. But it's only dudes, right? Yeah. Like, I, I've never been turned down for a date for being bald. Because you're, pl- you're a player, dude. You're a playboy. Come on, let's go. So, I mean, I like it too because it feels nice on my pillow and all this stuff. <laughs> and, uh, you're not getting hair and that food you're eating, you know? It's just good. Yeah, I mean, I really like. I, I'm proud to, to be, you know, one of the founding members of Bald Gang. But um, as re- regarding the beer, to answer y'all's question, you know, I mean, it's just about kind of like. Uh, you y'all get your summer cut, and sometimes you want to grow it out, yeah. and you want to do all these things, and you want to try. You know, I bet uh, my boy Rowdy over there tried the cornrows once. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so uh, I, I, <laughs> I tried different things with the beer. Yeah, well, Dan, as a guy, well, how about this? I mean, I got a head of hair on me, but I can't grow a beard. I'm I'm jealous of people that can grow a beard. I, mine's blonde, white. It's like white, blonde, and wispy. It is stranger danger, dude. So, um, yeah. don't, don't don't say don't say you can't grow a beard. You can do Rowdy, anything. Can I grow a beard? He was telling me he was growing it, and uh, it looked like something that I could have whipped up in like a couple of days. And <laughs> it's, it's, it has, it's like two months. It's tough, Dan. It's it's a, a it's hey. a, a losing uphill battle for me in facial hair. So, yeah. You can do anything you set your mind to. I don't think I can do that, though. Dan, <laughs> I'll try. Hey, we love you, brother. Thanks so much. If people want to get a hold of all your amazing stuff and see you beardless, because uh, you got YouTube Rocket doing videos on uh, Twitter. How can people get all your stuff? Firstly, gentlemen, you know it's always a pleasure. Thank you, guys. Thank you to you know everybody uh, Nothing but love. That's, that's listening as well. And Hey, I told you all, Wild Bill, William Contreras, Braves legend was going to start to heat up for you all, and that's exactly what's happening. So you love to see it. Um, y'all can follow me on Twitter at Best Fight Picks, and my podcast, Half the Battle, is available everywhere podcasts are found. Uh, thank you, gentlemen. Dan, you rule, man. Have a great weekend, brother. Take there care. Is. Take. See you, buddy. There he is, Dan, our guy. <laughs>